All right. All right, all right, all right. Hey. Hey, Patty, where's my hug? Patty, come up here and give me a hug. <laughs> Love you too, Patty. All right, guys, we are continuing our series that we've entitled Entrusted, where we're looking at the things that God has entrusted to us that we might advance the kingdom of Christ, push back darkness, and advance the kingdom of light. Today, we've looked at money. We got that money thing out of the way. Uh, we've looked at, uh, last week we looked at um, children for Mother's Day. Uh, and today we're going to look at spiritual gifts. You know, almost every superhero movie uh, comes with this moment. Now, I know some of you maybe not be big superhero fans. How many people have seen Endgame? Okay. All right. No spoilers. Uh, but every superhero movie comes really with this moment, usually where the hero has to come to terms with this calling, right? Like something's happened and he gets to this place where he's like, he wants to quit. He's like, he, he looks at his powers. He goes, I don't even want these abilities. I don't even want these powers anymore. I don't even want to do this. I don't want this responsibility, right? That always happens. And then someone has to come alongside of him and say, no, you've been given this for a reason, right? And they give this big speech, this big talk. And then the superhero usually is like, you're right. I've got to go do it. And, and then they, they change and they go do it. You know, in Spider-Man, it was a famous line with Aunt May looking at Peter Parker saying, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. <clears throat> we may not have superpowers, unfortunately. But I'll tell you this, nonetheless, God has supernaturally gifted everyone who is a follower of Jesus to serve him and his kingdom. He has supernaturally given us spiritual gifts that he has called us to use for his glory and advance his mission. My question this morning for you that I want you to answer for yourself before we leave here is do you know what your spiritual gift is and are you using it for God? Are you using it to serve God? Do you know what your spiritual gift is and are you using it? Let's turn together to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a famous passage when it comes to this topic on spiritual gifts, even the little uninspired heading says spiritual gifts. Chapter 12, verse 1, the apostle Paul writes on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says this, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by, the same, by one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Don't worry, we're Baptists. We won't be talking about tongues this morning. Uh, but if you come to Theology 101, you'd heard all about it. 
For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts we treat with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, that the members may have the same care for one another, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is the word of Christ. Verse 7 tells us to each, when he's talking about spiritual gifts, it says to each, that's everyone that's in Christ, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You see, sometimes it's really easy for us to see other people's gifting, right? We can look at other people around us and we go, man, so-and-so is such a great teacher. You can look at someone and say, man, they are just, they just love to serve. They'll do whatever, whatever's asked of them, they'll just step up and do it. So you look at some people and they are so organized and are just great administrators and just task-oriented and have charts and, and, and checklists and they just, that's their thing. So, some people are just incredible encouragers. They can just look at you and see, man, this person uh, is down today and they just have a sense of, and they go and they just encourage you and just speak uh, truth to you. Uh, Some people are just good with kids. Some people are not. (laughs) Some people are just good with kids. Some people can sing, and some people think they can sing. But you look at these people sometimes, and you think, you see, oh, clearly they're gifting, they're good at it, and, and you think maybe sometimes, I wish I was gifted like that. I wish I could do what they do. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God has gifted you. If you are in Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus, God has supernaturally gifted you, uniquely gifted you specifically, and he has entrusted this gift to you to serve him. And so your problem might be this morning that you've missed what that gift is. And maybe that's because you haven't realized what it was, and so you haven't like, honed it, right? You haven't sharpened that gift. You haven't worked it out and, and, and refined it. Maybe you haven't, you've never used it, so you normally don't know what it is. Maybe you've never really thought about it. This text and many others remind us that God has uniquely gifted every one of us who are in Christ. And the language it uses in this verse that we just looked in, verse 7, is a manifestation of the Spirit, right? So, so the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, has determined what gift to give you and has supernaturally given it to you. 
And see, he hasn't given it to you as like a reward for being good. He hasn't given it to you just because you, you came to Christ. He hasn't given it to you because of some random reason. He's given it to you to entrust it to you for a purpose, for a calling. See, your gift is not just, oh yeah, I serve in the kids' ministry. Your gift is not just, oh yeah, I serve on the security team. Your gift is not just, oh yeah, I serve in the youth. Oh, my gift is not just, oh yeah, I fill in the blank, fill in the ministry area. No, you have a specific gift that may lend itself to many different areas in the church. But you're not necessarily gifted for one area. But here's the problem we often face. Sometimes, oftentimes actually, there are needs that arise in the church, right? There is something, this needs to be done. Somebody's got to do it. We need somebody to do A, B, and C. And there are many of you in this room who, who you would look at that and you would think, man, that is not my gifting. I am not, I'm not good at that, but I'll do it, right? And many of you in this room would just step up and, and, and do it, right? And, and you're a willing person. You'll just step in and feel it. And, and that is awesome. And we need that in our church. Let me hear me say this. Our church could not survive without those types of people who are saying, I'm willing to do whatever we need to, to need to do, right? Or maybe you come and maybe you're new here and you want to get plugged in, you want to serve, uh, and, and you're like, man, I want to get involved. And so just wherever you see an open door to serve, you just jump into that area. And that's, that's good too, but, but, but let, me, let me tell you, I think, a little bit of the problem with that. Like that's noble, that's good. It's good that you would just jump in and serve and be willing to do that. But, but here's the problem. When you do not serve primarily out of your giftedness, it drains you. When you do not serve primarily out of your giftedness, the problem isn't that the thing's not getting done. The problem is, is that it wanes on you. It doesn't invigorate your passion, and it drains you. You see, our gifts are not just the things we're good at, but they are the things that drive us, the things that we're passionate about, the things that fill us up. And so if, if, if you are not good at, if you're not gifted in the thing that you're doing, like you're willing to do it, but it's just going to be draining and exhausting. And after a while, you give up and you quit. And we've got to find somebody else to do it. You see, for example, if you're not gifted at teaching, yet you are serving by teaching in preschool or children or youth or adults or whatever, and you're not really gifted at teaching, but you just know it needs to be done and you think it's important that it's done. And so you say, you know what? Well, I'll just do it. Well, you'll get burnt out. And it's really like this. It's like you are serving off of a battery. You got this battery hooked up to you and all the while you're serving, that battery is draining until it's depleted. And that's not what we want for you. For, for me, I'll give you an example. Uh, my, what is not my spiritual gift is being detail oriented. And so when I plan a party, when I plan a, a shindig, I often forget the paper plates uh, on many occasions. <laughs> uh, we had a work day recently and I ordered pizza and I had everything planned. And about 30 minutes beforehand, I realized we might need some drinks. Thankfully, I had some people uh, help me with that. And so, you know, I can do it. Like I can plan things and I, I often do it and, and I have to work really, really hard, but I, I don't like it. It doesn't energize me. It drains me. I have to work really, really hard at it. But what I naturally want to do, what my gifting is, is I want to be around people. I don't want to plan the event. I just want to hang out at the event. I want to love on people and serve people and care for people. 
You see, when you serve using your spiritual gifting, it doesn't drain you. It's not like being hooked up to a battery that is just constantly running out of energy. When, when you're using what you are get, what God has supernaturally gifted you to do, it's like being plugged into the wall. Maybe you got all the energy in the world, you just keep going. And so that's what we want. We want you using what God has given you, the gifting he's given you, and you using that and serving in that thing. Because when you feel equipped, when you feel utilized, you will feel valued, and you will love what you do, and you won't get burned out. You see, you need to know what your spiritual gifting is so that your serving would not be something that drains you but fuels you, that drives you. It would increase your passion for it. Something that is, when, when you're done with it and you know, the physical exhaustion is taking its toll, it would be nothing compared to the joy that you have from the serving. First Corinthians twelve eleven says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You see, your gift was not randomly drawn out of a hat and go, oh, here, you get this one. All right, you get to be a teacher, you get to be an encourager, you get to be mercy giver, you get to be an administrator. That's not, that's not how it happened, but rather the Holy Spirit knows you. When you came to faith, he knows every hair in your head, he knows you intimately, and he said, this is the gift I want you to have, and, I, and I'm going to call you to use that for my church and my glory. The Holy Spirit apportioned it as he willed. But the next thing I want us to see is not only do all of us have a gift, but they are all equally valuable. Our temptation is often to look at other people serving, look at their gifts, and think that their gift is better than our gift. It's easy to see some gifts, right? It's easy to see, hopefully, that in my gifting up here in front of everyone every week, it's easy to see that because it's out front and in the open, but the, the Bible is very clear about something. Look at this, and let me read this again. I think it's an important passage. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it less any part of the body. And if the ear should say that, it doesn't make it any less part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where were the sense of hearing? The whole body were an ear, where's the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body, listen to this, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The parts of the body that seem, not that they are, but seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we, we bestow with greater honor. You see, the gifts that often bless people are not the ones that are always out in front in the open. The gifts that bless people are the ones that no one sees. The gifts that bless people are the ones no one knows to say thank you to. The people who give encouraging words to you, write you a card, tell you exactly what you needed to hear when you needed to hear it, that is incredibly valuable. That is ministry. The people who go the extra mile to bring a meal to someone in need. The people who are prayer warriors who are praying for you without you even asking or even knowing. The people who do all sorts of things at this church that are easy for us to take for granted, but yet they faithfully show up week after week and serve, not looking for credit, just to be used by God and to make a difference. I want to say to you what the Bible says about you, that you are indispensable. 
So many things happen at this place to minister to you, to love you, and to serve you, and you have no idea that they are happening. Happening, and that mean, and what the Bible is saying is that you are indispensable. We bestow greater honor to you. The Great Divorce, this book by C.S. Lewis, where it's a story about these people who are in hell, and they are invited to take this bus ride up to heaven and are invited to stay if they want to. And interestingly enough, they all choose to go back to hell. It's fascinating to read. You should read it. But there's a point in that book where uh, someone asks someone from heaven, who is the most famous person in heaven? Who's the most famous person in heaven? And, 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 the, re- and the answer is this. You would have never known her. She had no children, and all the kids on her street became her children, and she cared for them as if they were hers. She was a nobody. And it is precisely those who nobody knew on earth are the most famous in heaven. To those who faithfully serve and use their gifts, even though we don't always see you, even though we don't even know what you do or even know who to say thank you to, you are indispensable. But we are different. We're all gifted differently. We're designed differently. We have different tastes. We, have, we care about different things. We're passionate about different things. You know, I probably see it more than anybody else because when I make a change, when I make a decision and we're going this way or doing this or doing that, I'll have some people come to me and go, yes, that's awesome. Love that. So excited about that. And I'll have other people come to me and go, why in the world are we doing that? <laughs> it's complete opposites, right? We are different. Mark Dever in his book, What is a Healthy Church? He gives this awesome illustration, or he uses the same kind of idea from this passage. And he just kind of tells the story. And he says, one day, uh, Foot was talking to Hand at church. And, and Foot told Hand, you know, uh, I think we're going to be leaving the church. And Hand said, why? Why would you leave? We, we want you here. And, and Foot said, well, you know, we just don't really, there's not a lot of things going on for, for me here. You know, not a lot of walking going on around here. There's just you know, a lot of smelling, a lot of hearing, you know, a, lot of, a lot of working with your hands. There's just not a lot of walking. And, you know, that's just what I'm called to do. And, and Hans says, well, you know, let's figure it out. You know, let's figure out some, some ways to do that. And he's like, no, you know, down the street, there's a church down the street where, you know, there's a lot of ankles and knees over there. And, and I really want to go be a part of what they're doing because I really think I can fit in and be a part of that. And That can't be what we are. What we can't be is, you know what, the church down the road, that's the one, uh, you know, for all the people who love the loud music. And then the church over here is the one for everybody who loves the traditional music. And, and the church over there is for all the ones who, who want it dark. And all the ones over here, we can't be that. Because everyone in this room is different. Everyone in this room has different things they care about and love and things that they have different preferences and different likes. And that's what makes us unique. Like that we can all gather together in a room like this and be family even though we have very different tastes, different preferences, different ideas, uh, and, and different wants. Like that's what makes us special, that Jesus unites all of us, that we are one family, and that God has gifted you different than he has gifted the person across from you. That you have a different gift than the person beside you so that you can serve in this way, and they can serve in that way, and you can serve them, and they can serve you. Like That's intentional. But yet what we do, because it's hard, is we segregate, right? We push everybody, okay, all the, all the feet over here, all the hands over here, all the ears over here, because it's more comfortable and it's easier and everyone gets along and everybody likes the same thing. That's not what Jesus has called us to. Jesus has called us to be one body with many different parts. We are gifted differently and serve differently. We need hands and we need feet and we need noses. 
We need older people and we need younger people. We need rich people and we need poor people. We need techie people and we need administration type people. We need extroverts and we need introverts. We need white people and we need black people. We are one body, one family. And the point is not that we would, would, would all be good at one thing or another thing, but rather in our diversity and our differences, we would come together and use our particular gifting to serve the church and win the lost. This is the third thing I want you to see, that God has entrusted to us these gifts for that purpose. God has given you the gift that you have for two reasons. One, to serve the church and to reach the world. Now, when I say serve the church, what I mean is not this building because this building is not the church, amen? This building is not the church. Every one of us who are members of this church are the church. Every one of us in this room who have covenanted together to be a part of this body are the church. And so we are gifted. You have the gift you have to serve the people in this room, to lay down your life for the people in this room, to suffer when they suffer, to rejoice when they rejoice, to care for them, and to use your particular gifting for them. And we are, are given our gifting to reach the world with the gospel. Everything we do, fellowship, hear me say this. Everything we do, everything we are about has to serve one of these two ends. It is either serving the church, which is discipleship, right? We want to love on, serve, care for, teach, instruct, encourage. Here, discipleship, or we want to bring people who are not here, here, evangelism. Everything we do has to be about one of these two things. Everything we do is about one of those things. And if we do something that's not about one of those things, we are missing the point of being here, missing the point of what God has called us to. Sometimes people are part of a church because this is their social group. Sometimes people are part of a church because it makes them feel good about themselves. Sometimes people are a part of a church because they think that's just what they're supposed to do. But we are here for one reason and one reason only. We are at war. There is a war being raged right now and God has supernaturally gifted you to wage in that war, to fight in that war. We are here to proclaim that a new king is on the throne and is coming and you better bow your knees and get in line or he's coming to take you out. There is a war happening. There is a spiritual battle happening for every soul of everyone you meet, happening for our children and our youth and people in this room right now, and we are to stop playing games and wage the war, and God has given you the gifts and the tools to wage it. He has given you these spiritual gifts to fight in this war, to fight for the souls of our kids, to fight for the souls of our youth, to fight for the souls of our community and reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must advance the gospel in these two ways. Some of your gifts may lean to one or the other. Some of your gifts may lean toward evangelism. Some of your gifts may lean toward discipleship. But whatever it is, we must use them for those ends. You see, some of you are just bold people. You don't care what people think about you, and you'll go share the gospel with anybody, and we need that. Some of you are like, I couldn't do that. Right? And you need to hone that, you need to work on that, but maybe your gifting is more discipleship. It's here, and you love on it, and you serve the church. That's okay, too. No matter what your gift is, God has given it to you so that you can advance the kingdom of Christ. You see, a spiritual gift is a divine calling. It is a divine responsibility because what God has gifted you to do, he has called you to do. And what he's called you to do, he's gifted you to do. Did you hear that? Listen to me, church. Listen to this. Because God, what he has gifted you to do, 
He's called you to do. And what he's called you to do, he's gifted you to do. God does not, listen to this, God does not simply call pastors and missionaries. He calls everyone who is his child to use their gifts to fulfill his calling. Ephesians 4.12. God gave the church shepherds and teachers to equip the saints, that's you, saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Do you know what my job is? My job is not to primarily do ministry. My job is to train and equip you to do ministry. My job is to train and equip you to do ministry. Every one of you in this room right now who belong to Jesus, you are ministers of the gospel. Do you realize that? You are ministers of the gospel. You are, some of you see yourself as an attender. Some of you see yourself as just a member. Some of you see yourself as just a Sunday school teacher. But that is not the case. You are ministers of the gospel. When you teach or when you serve in our preschool, children's, or youth areas, you are investing in discipling and evangelizing the future of the church. You are pouring the gospel into the next generation as they grow up and follow Jesus. When you work behind the scenes, whether that's an administrative role or uh, you have the servant's heart and you clean or you help mow or you cook or you take care of one of the many things that have to happen around here. You are ministering to people in many ways. You are helping to disciple people. When you teach, when you pray, when you love on guests, when you share the gospel, when you encourage when you love, when you serve, when you use your gifts, whatever that gift is, you are ministering. Do you know why churches get in fights over silly things? Why church, you know, the joke is always churches fight over the color of the carpet. Do you know why churches do that? Because they have lost sight that God has entrusted to them a gift to use to build up the body and reach the lost. They lose sight of that mission. They lose sight of the purpose and the calling so we fight about silly things. Guys, I want you to imagine a church where everyone in it was using their gifts and serving where they were called. A church that, was, that everyone was using their gifts and everyone was serving where God had called them, a church like that would not need to beg people to serve. A church like that would not need to put people, to beg people to serve. You know, every church I've ever been into has to beg people to serve in their preschool ministry. Every church I've ever seen no matter how small, no matter how big. What if we all used our gifts? And what if when we used our gifts, we weren't being exhausted in using them, but rather being fulfilled because we were using the, doing and using the thing we're passionate about and gifted to do? And what if in using that, we feel valued, we feel fulfilled, we feel blessed? Do you know what would happen? We would thrive. How do you know what your gift is? A couple of ways. Let me wrap up. You can know what your gift is on the, on the app. I put a, under the, if you go on our app and you go under the first page under resources, there's a spiritual gift survey, a test you can take that'll help you figure that out. I encourage you to go take that. You can also look at your natural desires. What are the things you're passionate about? What are the things that you feel gifted in doing? Not necessarily good at, you might be gifted in teaching. You're not good at teaching because you haven't honed that craft. What are the things that other people affirm about you? This is a fascinating story. So a couple, about a month or so ago, I went to the, our youth leaders and said, uh, I really feel like 
Phil and Priscilla would be great in serving in our youth group. What do you guys think? And they said, yeah, that makes sense. I think that'd be good. And, and they said, one of them said, you know, but I'm not sure because Phil's job, I'm not sure they would have the time to do that. And so I went to Phil and Priscilla and I said, hey, where do you guys feel like you're gifted? And where, where do you want to serve? You know, I want you to serve somewhere. Where are you gifted? Where, where would you serve? And they said, hey, you know, that's a funny thing that you say that because actually we've been trying to work up the courage to ask if we could serve in the youth group. And I said, funny you should say that. You see, sometimes it's the people around you that are affirming your gifting and your calling. And so maybe you don't know what your gifting is. Maybe go to a friend and say, hey, what do you think I'm gifted at? And see what people would affirm about you. It's also a sense of calling from God. Sometimes we just feel the sense of, I want to be doing that. But once you know your gift, what do you do? Don't be the person. So many of you are sitting down right now and you're waiting to be asked. You're waiting for someone to come to you and say, hey, would you serve in such and such place? Don't do that. I don't know where God is leading you. I don't know what your gifting is. And no one else does either. And so maybe figure out what your gifting is. Come to me and say, hey, Brent, I don't know what it is, but I want to figure it out. Let's figure it out together. And let's place you in a place where you can serve in your gifting and be blessed. My goal for our church is that every member is serving out of their unique gifting so that every member is flourishing and thriving and passionately serving God and in so doing is fulfilled. I want this because I want us to really, really care for each other well. I want us to raise up the next generation well. I want us to invest in our church family well. I want our family to grow. I want our water bill to be so outrageously expensive because we keep filling this baptistry up again and again and again. See, there are some of you in this room and you say you would like to serve, but you're waiting to be asked. Don't do that. There's some of you in this room and you see the church as your time to rest. You see Sunday morning as your break from work and time to be with your friends or your time to be with your family. And let me just gently challenge that thinking. Because I know what it's like to be exhausted and want to come on Sunday and just hang out. The kingdom of God is at stake. And God has entrusted you with the gift that he's given you. Not so you can come in here and relax on Sunday morning, but so that you can come lay down your life. Because only in dying do you find life. There are some of you in this room and you don't have a spiritual gift because you're not a spiritual person because you're dead in your sin. But this morning I want to remind you that Jesus is calling you to believe. He's calling you to trust him. Imagine a church where we did not have to beg and beg for people to step up and serve, but instead every member was using their spiritual gifts to serve the body and reach the world. What a wonderful church that would be. And fellowship, I do believe we're quite on our way to that place. But let's keep going. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. And he took a cup of wine and he said, drink, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus did this not just for you for the world. And as we take this supper together, I want you to remember that this is not a time for you and Jesus. This is a time that we get to come as the body together as a family. And so when the elements are passed out, I want you to hold on to it. Wait, we're going to take it together. It's one body, different parts for one body. He gave his life for all of us. Red, yellow, black, and white, rich, poor, introvert, extrovert, nerdy, popular. If you're in Christ, you're a part of this family. Church, let's live for and serve and lay down our lives for our family, for the people to your left and to your right, to the people that are different than you, people you disagree with, 
but who have been made your brothers and sisters through the shed blood of Christ. Let us feast on this grace meal together just as we serve together. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one family. And if you do not belong to Christ, hear me say this, this meal is not for you, but he invites you to come and find new life in him. So do that, let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. We're thankful for your goodness. Father, even though we're butting up against time, Lord, help us to just chill out for a minute, slow down, to take this meal together, to focus on our unity in the body of Christ. If you're here this morning and you have an unforgiveness in your heart toward a brother or a sister, if you're here this morning and you are bitter or upset with someone, I encourage you not to take this meal, but to go make it right with them. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, this meal is not for you either. If you're here and, and you are a wicked, awful sinner like me, this meal's for you. If you're here and you're a fallen person, broken person, this meal is for you if you have claimed Christ and his forgiveness. So take it and remember all that Christ has done. We love you in Christ and we pray all people said. My worth is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross.